Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Because it was stupid, we canceled tonight's segment on summer wear, the silk kilt. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome for the 400th time to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from yeah, from home. Well, that's where I am. Uh, anyway, on this week's show, yes, this is the 400th show. Thank you very much for all of you that have come along on this ride with me. Thank you for all those downloads and comments and everything. Really do appreciate it. But this week we kick off the uh, what I'm calling Ask the Experts. And we'll have... Uh, well, this, this is going to be fun. So... Uh, the uh, pipe parts will be explaining what I did and talking about the experts that I, uh, the questions that I asked them and the people that I picked. And then our first expert, our guest is Rick Newcomb, uh, author of In Search of Pipe Dreams and, uh, you know, just, you know, just one, one heck of a pipe collector. And we'll get his answers to those questions and that will be here. Uh, that, that's coming up. Also, um, listen, I, I understand the, the past week or so we've had some problems with uh, a week or two. We've had some problems with the podcast feed. I blame the Department of Change on it. Uh, but at the same time, iTunes has opened us up to uh, 20 new countries, including a couple that I had to look up. Like little islands in the South Pacific, so that's fun. Uh, anyway, remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. If you are uh, relatively new and tuning in, my suggestion for you listening to the show is uh, keep current with the new ones while you go back and get caught up on the old ones. And uh, if you'd have a chance, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Currently here in the U.S., we are sitting at 298. Eight. Like to get to 300. So there you go. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and for pipe parts again, I'm gonna uh, let's talk about what I did. So, you're uh, you're a very dedicated host here, um, with a lot of free time over the past couple of weeks. Had an idea, and it was partly inspired by Luis's email that I got from uh, from Luis in Portugal, who's been uh, uh, enjoying more of the uh, podcast while being locked down. 
And he asked me uh, he asked me several questions, of which I I think I addressed a few in earlier episodes. But there was a there was a core of interesting and uh, somewhat common questions that I think a lot of newer pipe smokers and a lot of more seasoned pipe smokers regularly consider or kick around. At the same time, I was kind of missing the fact that, uh, you know, I wasn't able to go to the Chicago Pipe Show and have these conversations and visits with these people that I know and people that I respect and, you know, talk to them about pipes and hear from them about pipes. So what I did was uh, (laughs) I came up with a list of seven experts or uh, as I've referred to him a couple of times as the uh, Magnificent Seven or the more experienced pipe smokers, Um, I came up with what I thought was a diverse list of them and wanted to make sure that I got people that I kind of knew were in a different vein, you know, different, uh, different vein of thoughts on some of these. And I wanted some people that were not just, uh, not just, pipe collectors, but I wanted some people that were on the industry side. Uh, so I came up with a list of seven questions, which you'll hear when we, uh, when, when you hear the uh, discussion I had with Rick Newcomb, I reached out to these seven people and told them that I have an idea for a set of questions that I would like to ask you and record but I don't want to. I don't want you telling anybody that you're doing this. I won't tell you the questions until a day before, and please keep it to yourself. And I want to record them all this week. So last week I recorded a total of uh, seven interviews, and uh, I was on the I was on the microphone an awful lot. So seven interviews, one bonus show, uh, produced a show, produced a bonus show. So that's about nine uh, nine times I was sitting down in front of this, plus the couple of Zoom meetings, and of course the conversations before and after we were recording, which were fun too. But can't play those for you because I wasn't recording. Uh, but I came up with this list of seven questions, and then one final. Uh, one one final question that you know, had no, uh, didn't matter. It was just more for my interest. But let me tell you what the seven questions. Yeah, you'll you'll hear the seven questions. Let me tell you who the seven people are. Uh, five doctor of pipes, one master of pipes, and one pipe stud. So yes, you get Rick Newcomb, uh, Steve Fallon, Rich Esserman, Fred Hanna. John David Cole, Linwood Hines, and Sykes Wilford. Between these seven people, I believe their pipe smoking experience and history in pipe smoking is about 250, 260 years of pipe smoking. And they all got the same questions. They didn't know, they don't, they still don't know who else is getting the questions. Uh, Some of the questions, if I thought it was proper, uh, we had a little bit more of a discussion on it, a little bit more input, a little more give and take. Uh, some of the questions I thought were uh, were pretty direct, but I let the listener or I let the guest go with the answer that they came up with. So you'll hear some things where 
sometimes it doesn't quite answer the question or it doesn't answer the question that I thought it would be answered that way. Uh, but either way, what you're about to hear is one guest each week for the next seven weeks, all seven guests answering the seven questions, plus the final question, which I'll give that to you now so that you can uh, kind of chew it over yourself. But it was basically, um, have you ever had owned a pipe and then got rid of it that you regret doing and or... Has there been a pipe that you saw for sale and you regretted not buying it and has haunted you ever since? And for these seven guys, I believe that was the hardest question I asked them. Um, anyway, you'll hear them. You'll you'll hear the differences. You'll hear the conversations again. Nobody knew who was being recorded for it. Nobody knew the questions until 24 hours before. And I wanted to give them time to read the questions and come up with some ideas and give them some thought. And I also wanted to let them go where they went with the answer. So I didn't really push them into one answer or the other. Um, and again, you'll also hear some discussions and. I thought that it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of it was a lot of work, um, but it was also a really good time for me uh, personally, catching up with these guys and spending time. Yeah, not only recording this, but also getting a chance to chat with them because, yeah, most of these guys I would have seen at the Chicago Pipe Show and been able to spend a few minutes with them. And this time I got to spend, yeah, in most cases, an hour, hour and a half chatting with them. So that's what you're going to get to hear for the next seven weeks. The first one is coming up shortly, and that is Rick Newcomb. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with the Ask the Experts, or as I'm going to call you guys, my, my seven samurai. And... Up first is Rick Newcomb. Rick, you've been on the show a couple, three times. You've written a couple of books, and everybody knows you. Welcome back, and thanks for doing this. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, I'm glad you think everybody knows me, but I don't think everybody knows me. <laughs> I get a fair number of emails from people you know, who just read In Search of Pipe Dreams or still searching for pipe dreams. And they introduce themselves and they tell me about their purchases and their new acquisitions of pipes and how exciting it is. So we, we find new people all the time, especially now with the pipe shows kind of uh, uh, put on pause because of the uh, uh, coronavirus. Um, I think we're going to see it'd be more interesting. Um, I think the, the literature, the books and things. Uh, and the audiobooks too. Uh, you know, people want a connection to pipes, yeah. like your show. Yeah, and they and we've got more free time, which is one of the reasons why it was really nice to do what we're about to do 
because I was able to get a hold of a bunch of normally really busy people and get you all scheduled into one week and right. ask right. these questions for you. So, and the, these are all questions that regularly come up to me from listeners. So we'll start off with the first one. You've had about 24 hours to think about them. Uh, the first one is, can you detect if a pipe has been oil cured or not? And do you have a preference? Yes, the answer is no, I cannot detect that difference. Um, I remember once <clears throat> buying a pipe, talking to Bill Taylor, who founded, he was Dunhill's chief pipe maker um, in the 80s and maybe before. And um, then he founded Ashton Pipes. And his name was William Ashton Taylor. And Bill Taylor, you know, was famous for his oil curing techniques. And I talked to him uh, about a, a certain pipe, two actually two pipes that I really liked. And he said, well, now these are oil cured and you will be able to tell the difference. So he, I bought the two pipes. This was uh, at least 30 years ago. And I smoked them very carefully trying to detect a difference. And I could not detect a difference. Then I remember when Lars Iverson was um, speaking, he was staying at our house in 1996, I think it was, and at a, at a West Coast pipe show or Los Angeles pipe show, we were having dinner outside um, and on a patio at a, at a Marriott, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and Lars and Yeskanovitz were speaking. Uh, they mostly were answering questions from the audience. And somebody asked Lars, do you oil cure your briar and can you tell the difference? And he said, no, I've never uh, used oil curing. Um, but my father, meaning Sixth and Iverson, always said uh, he had a better answer than oil, and that is the calendar. <laughs> that you, you just need enough years to let the briar dry out. But then when I would ask Lars about 200-year-old briar or 100-year-old briar, he said, oh, no, no, you don't want that. That's, that's just marketing from the old days. <laughs> what you want is briar that's dry. I mean, it might be 30 years old it might be 60 years old it's possible if you look at the rings the ring grain around a brush especially on a sandblast you might find a, a block that was as much as 60 years old but he said it, you you basically when a pipe maker gets the blocks of wood they keep them for i don't know anywhere from six months to two or three years to let them dry out and sometimes some of lars's blocks went back 30 years same with bow nord same with yes but lars said you don't want it too dry because too dry is like cork. And he said, if you take cork and start um, in between, with your index finger and your thumb, you start uh, rubbing it. You know how it crumbles. Yeah. And he said, well, that's what happens if the briar is too dry. Uh, so it's it's not oil curing. Uh, it's the calendar. It's, it's drying it out. But, you know, good pipe makers figure out just that right point. I hope that answers the question. Yep. Next question is what makes a pipe more of a flake tobacco pipe for you? Well, I generally smoke ribbon cuts um, yeah. as opposed to flake tobaccos. And that's um, because I like a fairly wide diameter in the tobacco chamber. Um, I like what, what uh, have been called little giants. Wolf Miltonsmeyer, one of the two S-Bang pipe makers, uh, coined that term, little giants. And what it is is a big, a big bowl capacity. 
Um, I mean, not Rich Esserman Magnum size, but but <laughs> yeah. still pretty good size, pretty good size. You know, Dunhill Group 6 or um, ODA, you know, that kind of size, yeah. but but with a relatively short pipe. Um, and so and that works, tobacco, but that works for your tobacco, ribbons. Yes. Yeah. With flake tobacco, I need for it to be fairly dry. Mm-hmm. And then I have a handful of pipes that are like chimney shaped with a more narrow tobacco chamber. And there, that's what I would smoke a flake tobacco in. Okay. Um, what is your preferred method of flame? Well, you know, I have some uh, stick matches and I love them. Uh, in fact, um, recently we were before coronavirus. We were in, um, Carol and I, at at Christmas, we were over in Switzerland, and uh, I had a pipe bowl with Rene Wagner, who who owns the store Tabak Ladley, Mm -hmm. and with all the smoking restrictions, you can't smoke in his store anymore, but right across the street is this old, elegant hotel, and his store is in the old part of of, uh, Zurich. And they had a cigar lounge, so we went in there, and Renee had the the coolest um, stick matches, and I just admired the way he used them. I was disciplined enough. So when I came home, I, you know, got a box of my own stick. He had swans, you know, from yeah. I don't know if they're from the old days, but they were just so elegant. It was so cool. Uh, the problem is, uh, so I used them for a while, but then I went back to my lighter. <clears throat> the problem with the um, stick matches is then you need an ashtray which i generally don't necessarily have right uh, you need to deal with burnt matches um it just takes it's a little more of a process so i i generally use an an electric lighter um the kind that i like they don't make them anymore um well they do but they're they're not the kind that i like corona and but it, it's not, I mean, I like the, uh, the old boy or whatever that is. I, mm-hmm. I have so many lighters, I got to tell you. Yeah. But I use that once in a while. I like it. But what I like about this Corona, it's the kind where you press down. I'll, here, I'll press down. You can hear it. And the flame is out. And in order to get that flame to go off, I've taken my thumb off the, off the thing. It's, it's just the flame is just holding on its own without it, without my thumb being there. Then they have a little arrow pointing up and I'll just click it. And that, you know, extinguishes the flame. I huh. love this lighter, And I bought a whole bunch when when uh, I was told at, at some at tinderbox, I think at the original in Santa Monica, they said, oh, they're not going to make those anymore. Yeah. So I bought like a half dozen of them. It sounds and, like it doesn't and, doesn't qualify for the child proofing or safety lighter aspect that we have to have now. Yeah, but the irony of it is when I use the the ones we have to have now, where you have to hold your the thing your thumb has to hold down in order to keep the flame, I always burn my thumb. So it's <laughs> yeah. far more dangerous. <laughs> Can so you can you taste a difference in the in the tobacco versus you know match versus lighter? Well, maybe a little bit. Like if you use a Zippo pipe lighter, which I've done many times, yeah, you can taste a little bit of that fluid. But I think with butane, I, I can't versus a stick match. I don't detect much. If if it is, it's only in that first puff or two in the charring light. It's not. Yeah. I mean, then after that, no. 
not at all. And I think you're right. I think the match is much more of a, a, a romantic experience where you strike the match and watch it build up the flame and then you can move the flame around. Uh, yes. You know, it's a, it's a little more romantic, but not real convenient, especially if you're driving down the road trying to do that. that that's exactly right. But sitting with Renee in that setting in this very fancy, very elegant cigar lounge in an elegant ho hotel watching him use his swan matches to light his pipe i just thought wow that's cool yeah <laughs> i should do that again <laughs> so all right we're going to take a break right here when we come back uh more ask the expert questions with rick newcomb have a look in your tobacco cellar what do you see think of what you smoke what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Rick Newcomb for the uh, Ask the Experts questions. And uh, Rick, you ready for the next one? I am. Yes, sir. Do you notice a cooler smoke with a pipe with a longer shank like a Canadian? I, I do not. Um, I've tried. I used to think so. Um, and I remember, yes, Carnivitz told me that they had done some kind of study in a laboratory where they measured the heat or something <laughs> of the smoke. And it was the same from a shorter pipe or a longer pipe, which I thought was interesting. And the truth is, I do not notice the difference. And I have some long pipes. I prefer shorter pipes, but I have a lot of longer pipes. And I just I can't tell the difference. Other people, you know, swear. I mean, I remember talking to Neil Rohn and he was telling me how he was really starting to like longer uh pipes longer shanks longer mouthpieces and all that um i don't i prefer shorter i think most mouthpieces are too long proportionally for pipes but that's one of the things that makes pipe smoking and pipe collecting so much fun is that we're all allowed to have different opinions yeah do you think bamboo does bamboo smoke cooler to you or have any other properties to it than than a than a a, a wood shank would I don't think it smokes cooler, but bamboo does have one advantage for wet smokers. And that is, I'm assuming the bamboo, you know, where like artisan pipe makers will put in a, a metal tube inside the bamboo. And a metal tube cannot, you cannot build a cake inside a metal tube. Whereas if it's just wood, you know, typical briar pipe. Mm -hmm. then we all built cakes inside our shanks this is a subject that, yeah. that most people don't know anything about i mean we yeah. see with our eyes and feel with our fingers how we built cakes inside the wood of the bowl of the pipe but at the same time we're getting just as much cake inside that shank 
And that's why I'm so fanatical about having an open airspace. And so one advantage of bamboo is the typical artisan pipe maker puts some inserts of metal tube in inside the bamboo so that you have an open airway that will never cake up. Yep. And it does make the pipe, it, it, it makes the same pipe a little lighter weight too, because the bamboo weighs less than, than briar would if it was that That's same correct. distance. So. Yes. Yes. And it's beautiful. The flip side of it is I don't like the way it colors. Um, you know, if it's, if I get a, I've got a, a six, six and Iverson pipe, from the 1960s where the bamboo is so brown and it just looks it doesn't appeal to me um i bet it was absolutely stunning when it was first made but i, I don't like I, i've heard people say they love the way bamboo colors same with ivory they yeah. love the way ivory colors i don't i you know it starts looking like boxwood um <laughs> so there's a new thing i think jeff grayson coined the phrase ivoryite where it's 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 a plastic but it's not just plastic it's something but it's not ivory but it looks exactly like ivory and that's the one i like because it doesn't color um anyway yeah no that's uh, listen it's all it's all personal preference and you're right and then yeah you go back even further some of those bamboo uh some of those bamboo shanks were not lined and they would soak up all the tars and the smoke and everything and you'd see some pretty funky looking bamboo stuff that's right they would turn orange and that's gross i agree yeah yeah and 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 and, and if you get the bamboo if you get a pipe maker that's doing a bamboo pipe and they do it completely wrong it just looks really worse than anything else because i mean, working for me when i see a pipe that's done with bamboo it and it's done well it looks beautiful slightly you know mediocre looks really bad yes um, you know you got to get the proportions and the knuckles have to match the flow of the line anyway all right on to the next question no, i agree i agree yeah um when smoking the same tobacco why do some pipes smoke wetter than other pipes because they're not open enough <laughs> I mean, that I can just tell you there's no uh, I've been doing this. It's getting on 50 years and I can just tell you that's the answer. Um, you, we build a cake inside our shank, just what we were talking about. And as you know, as I talk about in, in search of pipe dreams, especially that uh, I believe um, the ideal air airway in the shank should be between 4.3 millimeters and 4.5 millimeters or 1164ths of an inch and a little bigger than that. Not quite the next step up, not quite 316ths. I think that's too big. Um, but 1164ths of an inch is much better to me than 532nds, unless it's a, you've got a steel tube, like we were just talking about with a bamboo yeah. pipe or if there's a horn uh, ring in the, around the pipe where they, where they stick a metal tube in. Um, but if the pipe is not open properly, then it will gurgle. It will, you'll have to keep running pipe cleaners through six times, seven times, eight times. Um, and that, I just don't like doing that. It's, it's just, it's no fun. Uh, have you had, uh, pipes that you, that you've had, you've had your airway specifications in them. Have you had some that have just smoked a little drier than others? 
just for for some unknown reason? Um, that's an interesting question. Once they're opened, then they smoke good. I mean, that's almost all pipes do. Um, I don't know about dryer. You, the tobacco? No, I think I, I don't think I've had that. Yeah. On the other hand, I don't like moist tobacco. Um, I'll give you an example. I took out two tins of tobacco. I keep my tins in picnic cooler ice chests. Uh, that I, I wrote about this in Still Searching for Pipe Dreams. So I took out uh, two tins a week ago. One is of Margate from 2006, and the other is Dunhill Early Morning Pipe from 2001. Mm. So I popped both tins and put them in to transfer those to the old McClellan, um, or, uh, you know, tins where you, yeah. the, I think those were the Jolly Green Giant tins where, um, I don't, you know, we're, we're a, I'm not sure if Jolly Green Giant, but some vegetable manufacturer was a big pipe smoker and he met with McCraney's and showed them, or McClellan's rather, we, we were just talking about McCraney's, McClellan's tobacco, and he showed them what he liked, you know, the, the wax lining inside, it's like food grade. And so I love those canisters, the McClellan canisters. And so I dump one, it has early morning 2001, the other has Bargate 2006. The Margate was very wet still. The early morning was a little more dried out. Now I've been smoking both of them since then, but I taste much more of the flavor of the early morning, I believe because it's a little more dried out. And I think in time that Margate, I'm gonna, you know, I've decided to wait uh, three or four months and then I'll smoke the Margate again after it's really dried a little bit. And my idea of, of the ideal um, wetness of the tobacco is where it's almost dry or crispy on the outside, but you reach your fingers in and it feels wet that or cold. That coldness mm -hmm. is moisture, and that's what you want. So it's, that's like the ideal to me. Did, and, and that's been, a, well, and most of... Nine times out of ten, what you're smoking is in English, and, and English blends tend to be on the drier side anyway. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so you really don't the have the McClellans were they. That's an unusual tobacco because they're a little bit more moist, but um, I don't know. They were really those were great blends. They're just terrific. I wish they'd come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not happening. Um, all right, on to the next question. What is a specific aspect or dimension that a pipe must have in order for you to purchase it? I would say um, these days it's the diameter of the tobacco chamber where the, the pipe has to pass the thumb test. I got this from uh, Mitch Michelson. Yeah. You remember Mitch. He was such yeah. a sweet guy and very smart and an uh, avid pipe collector and who passed away last year and but mitch would always he and i would talk a lot about pipes and i told him you know how come so many of the newer pipe makers they make these gorgeous pipes and then they have little i can't even get my little finger into the tobacco chamber and he said nope it's got to pass the thumb test and i said what's that he said i got to be able to stick my thumb in that bowl before i buy it so i i thought that was i just love it the thumb test it's yeah. an easy way to explain it at a minimum, if I look at a, a pipe for sale, let's say on smoking pipes or whatever, and I look at the dimensions, the bare minimum 
is 0.8 millimeters, which is, I, I think that's, uh, or 0.8 inches, which is 20 millimeters, I think, or 21. I like, no, I don't, 20 is pretty narrow for me. I like 21 or 22 millimeters. Okay. So you're, yeah, so 0. 0.8 being four fifths of an inch, I'm at like 0. 0.75 is my minimum. Are there other, right. are there other little things that you look at on a pipe that, that are kind of like deal breakers before you buy it? Not deal breakers, but there are things where I, I groan, where I think, oh, such a beautiful pipe, but look at that terrible mouthpiece. That's <laughs> happened yeah. more than a few times. Yeah, and there I'll pay a, a pipe maker to thin it down for me. Or once in a while, I'll do it myself if it wasn't too expensive a pipe. And uh, but the so you will if you like most of the pipe, you'll go ahead and and buy it and then have it altered to fit what you're what you're looking for. Yes, yes, and and, and I open the shank on almost on every pipe that I have. Yeah, except for those that have metal tubes in them. Yeah, yeah. Unless you want to put a new a new tube size in there, right? Well, actually, on that point, um, Scotty Pearsall, who I think is really a talented pipe maker, yeah, relatively new, um, and she uses metal tubes. But I and you know she has those pencil thin, even thinner than pencils shanks. Yeah. Um, and I wish and, and with metal tube, which is great, but I wish she would use a tube just one size bigger. Um, so, but, but anyway, I'm very impressed by her pipes. Yeah. And, and, and you've developed your smoking style and if the pipe just isn't going to fit your smoking style, then you just have to, you, you, you just have to say, okay, it's not for me. Right. Right. Um, next question. Do you prefer your pipes bowl coated or not? Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Um, I I do not have a strong opinion about this. I remember once um, I bought a pipe from Yes Conovitz, and it was bull coated, and I smoked it for a while. And there there was something I can't remember what, um, but I sent it back to him, and then he you know reamed it out to the point it's possible i asked him if he could make the tobacco chamber a little bigger i can't i just can't remember the details this was 25 years ago but um if you and he then i remember he called me and he said now i've got raw wood inside do you want me to leave it like that or do you want me to put a bowl coating like it had before and i said no why don't you leave it like that just with the raw wood and i'll see how long it takes to get at my own coating and now remember, this pipe had been smoked by me a few times. So when I got it back, I remember after like three times, what I would do is I'd smoke it down to the bottom, then um, take a pick, you know, and the pipe tool and just sort of have ash at the bottom of the bowl, put my hand over it and shake it up and down, you know, yeah. so the ash would stay on the side and then dump it, dump out the ash and clean it with a pipe cleaner. I did that like two or three times, and all of a sudden I had a coat just just like before. And I called yes and said, "Wow, this is amazing." (laughs) 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 But I don't have a preference either way. I know other people go fanatical or fanatical about on that subject, but I'm not one. Do you break in a pipe differently depending on if it has a bowl coating or not? I do not. No. No. 
just fire it up you and know, go. The, the more I think about it, the things that there are the handful of things that I really feel passionately about. One is the thumb test. It has to have a pretty open capacity. Mm -hmm. um, two is a really comfortable mouthpiece. Now, this that's a challenge for pipe makers because I, what might be really comfortable to you is way too thick for me yeah. or what's way too thick uh, for you is too thin for me or whatever you know it's, everybody's different so that's a <laughs> there's no easy answer on that um yeah the right. thing i could say is if you've ever smoked a lars iverson pipe he just had a way of making every mouthpiece comfortable i i can't explain it but uh yeah i mean uh, the the mouthpiece is really the most personable the the most personal part of the pipe because it's actually going in your body that's right. Yeah. That's right. The rest and of us. The third, yeah, the, well, that's the, no, that's exactly right. And then the third thing that I'm passionate about is making sure it's open to 4.3 to 4.5 millimeters through the shank. You know, I met Franco Capo, who uh, runs Castello. Yeah. And um, spent a day with him. What a, such a nice man. I remember when we first started, he said, uh, uh, I, I said, is it okay if I smoke here? And he said, is it okay? It's mandatory. It's very funny. And uh, we talked about the opening of the mouth or the opening of the shank. And he said, Oh, I like 4.5 millimeters. I said, me too. Wow. You know, right off the bat, we, we hit it off. And I was, I was very reassured when he said that. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, you know, and other people will talk about the way the pipe feels in your hand and stuff like that. That to me is dramatically secondary than how the stem feels. Yes. Uh, However, that is important too, though. That that you know, a certain type of rounded bowl um, that like Bang made, or um, I don't know, a lot of people make. You know, different the the, the old Upshaw uh, Dublins. I just you know love the feel of different pipes like that. Yeah. Um, lots of different shapes. I'm looking at a Barbie pipe that I've got right here. On my desk that has it's rounded in just such a nice way yeah anyway. oh he had that lovely fluid bottom and yeah yes. i used to say the barbie barbie made reiner barbie made the nicest cheeks on a bowl you, you'd ever see <laughs> you know i have one um a conivet sandblast that uh was supposed to be the bottom of a woman's skier and um, yes, Konovitz told me, when you look at it, he said, no, no, just say it's a peach. Because it does look <laughs> like a peach, too, you know. So it was very funny. It's a good smoker, too. And then uh, finally, is there a pipe that you owned and got rid of that you wished you could get back or a pipe that you saw for sale that you regret not buying? Oh, yeah, there are a bunch. Um, Probably the one that I regret the most was a Yes Conovitz Dublin uh, straight grain that had a boxwood ring, a fairly narrow shank. And um, it's funny how 30 years ago, I was not a big fan of the Dublin shape. And today, I think it's my favorite or one of my <laughs> favorites. I just I love it. Um, so that that happens too. our our tastes change. And uh but of all the pipes I've ever sold, that's the one I would like to have back the most. I don't, I don't know who has it. Um, there was another pipe that uh, there was a Canadian I bought from Bo Nord, 
And in those mm -hmm. days, I know, you know, it's hard for newer pipe collectors to relate to that because when I look at a bone ore today, you're starting at $10,000 or something and yeah. going up to 30000 But in those days, I mean, I bought it directly from Bo for 1600 which I thought was a lot of money and he thought was great. <laughs> and it was a, a smooth Canadian. And I remember um, being told a pipe seller told me he would give me $5,000 for it. I said, are you serious? Wow. So I took it. And I, I regret that very much because, you know, where's the, the money, the profit I made? I don't know. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. I'm sure I've spent it on peanuts or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, gas. I mean, who cares? Whereas I can never get that Bo Nord pipe back. So, no, I, that one I totally regret. Yeah, the, the, the Conovitz Dublin and the Nord Canadian. So that, that, well, 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 Spent. This is not part of the experts' questions, but you bring up you brought up something that I've been discussing with other pipe collectors recently. Is I've got a good supply of old, out of production tobacco, and sure, I could sell it for four times what I probably paid for it. But what am I going to buy with that money? That's going to place it if this stuff is all out of production or aged or yeah you know, and i can't get it anymore what am i going to do i can't smoke the money i agree i think that's well put yeah i think that's well put that reminds me of rob cooper um years ago told me once i had a bonard snail and it was unsmoked and i said oh i'm thinking i might break in my bonard snail and he said oh, are you going to light it with hundred dollar bills <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. But, uh, anyway, um, you know, one thing I want to say that with in this whole uh, world of anti-smoking and that I, I really am on the offense on this, that I, I believe that the world of pipes uh, addresses, it provides good, it promotes good health on two levels. Um, two of the biggest killers, especially of the elderly, are stress and loneliness. And in the world of pipes, uh, relaxed, moderate pipe smoking without inhaling can help lower your blood pressure. It's just a, a wonderful way to cope with stress. And the world of pipe collecting, where we have friends all over the country, yeah. all over the world, is, is, a, is an antidote to loneliness. And I recorded something. What happened was last summer, at our company, Creators, Creators Publishing, Creators Syndicate, um, we hired an intern, intern from college, and he was good at videos. So he recorded, I made some recordings, and I made one recording on the benefits of pipe smoking. So if any of you are on YouTube, I, he set up a YouTube page for me. It's very cute. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I talk about the benefits of pipe smoking and talk about these two issues. Um, it's very totally different when people talk about smoking and cigarettes and all that. That's that's just totally different. It, it's completely different. What is the uh, what's the name of the YouTube channel? You know, I don't know. I think it's my name, Rick Newcomb. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, I'm I'm new to all this, um, but I've see I've had three passions besides family. I, my passions are um, the company the, that I founded. Uh, my pipe smoking and pipe collecting. And also I've been a bodybuilder my whole life. I, I love working out. And as during, I've been using this period of the lockdown 
to write a book about my experiences. I call it the magic of lifting weights. It's a fountain of youth that I'll be 70 in August, and I feel very young because of this. And it doesn't have to be heavy weights. It's not macho stuff. Uh, no chemicals, no, no shots of, of steroids or, or testosterone or growth hormone. No, those are the enemies of, of usefulness, in my opinion. So, and I'm writing all about this, having a good time. The uh, the YouTube page is under your name. It's Rick Newcomb, N-E-W-C-O-M-B-E. Also, recently I found, if you go onto YouTube and look for a channel called Creators, uh, there's some old videos. Uh, there's an old video of you and uh, Yes Konowitz at the L.A. Pipe Show in 1995. How fun, yeah. Yeah. So, we were like kids. <laughs> Yep, so you'll find that there. Rick, thanks for coming on, and thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you very much, Brian. It's always a pleasure. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, what do you think? That was the first of seven of the experts, six more to come. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And again, Rick's books are still available. So if you haven't read one, you need to pick one up. All right, for music. So I thought I'd do something a little different too for these seven experts. Um, it really cheered me up getting a chance to talk to them and spend time with them and, uh, you know, made me feel like, all right, you know, missing the Chicago Pipe Show um, wasn't all that bad because I got to spend time with these guys. So I thought, you know, for the next seven weeks, I'm just going to play for music. I'm just going to play songs that I like that kind of, uh, you know, cheer me up and put me in the right place and so on and so on. And the uh, the song that I've uh, decided to kick it off with is from Styx. And this is a live version from the uh, Return, to, uh, Return to Paradise Theater or Return to Paradise Live album, two disc set. This is Rockin' the Paradise. Tonight's the night we'll make history. I sure
So take your seats and don't be late Cause we need your spirits high To turn on these theater lights bright in the darkest skies Here at the
So I was lucky enough to see Styx on this tour back in 96, 97, I believe. And it's still, to this date, one of my favorite concerts. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can go to pipesmagazine.com and click on the radio show and post it right there on the thread. Or you can email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Just, like, uh, just like getting caught up on some from uh, Dan Locklear. Going back a couple weeks, uh, Dan writes, From France to Florida, I really enjoyed both of your last two interviews. It was a special delight to hear our mutual friend Dennis Congas. I regularly enjoy seeing Dennis at the Raleigh show each year, but of course we know the story of why that didn't happen in 2020. Uh, Dennis is a music lover and a choral singer, and as your interview highlighted, he has a rich background and love for pipes. But as often as Dennis and I have talked, I didn't realize that he once worked at the Basai shop in Cleveland. I discovered that shop early in my professional career when I was in Cleveland for a performance in 1976. There in that wonderful Cleveland arcade was that terrific artisan shop. I came away with a Basai and still have the pipe. Although the bit was not equal to Sheraton's double comfort bits, my newfound favorites then, the pipe was and remains a good smoker. Uh, the Dennis interview only shows that you can always learn something new about someone you thought you knew. And, uh, and Dan also liked the Beethoven number six that I played. So <laughs> there you go. Um, going back to uh, last week's show with uh, Brian Silverman on, Wade writes, Great show, Brian. I enjoyed it very much. I was smoking a bowl of Cornell and Deal night train with a pinch of extra perique while I listened. I'm a vapor guy through. I just adore the stuff. I like making perique sandwiches with Peter Stokeby luxury bullseye flake, rolling them up and stuffing them into my pipe. I also love a good Latakia blend occasionally as well. Well, he can't be all perfect. Um, and then he goes on to say, I, I, I'm enjoying this pipe parts with uh, Jeff Grasick, and I'm in the clean your pipes regularly camp. I run a pipe cleaner through after every smoke, and I disassemble my pipes and clean them with denatured alcohol after every six or seven smokes. I also wax my pipes with carnauba wax when needed. I'm pretty picky about my pipes. I have a large collection with around 70 of them made from briar. They represent a significant investment, and I enjoy keeping them looking sharp. Um, I also enjoyed the interview with Brian Silverman. It was very interesting and informative. It sounds like he has an impressive collection of Sassini pipes. While I don't have any Sassinis, Brian has sparked some interest in the brand for me. Uh, and I, I was kind of wondering, I wonder how uh, prices on Sassinis have done on ebay or something like that since then um anyway and going back to last week's food for thought uh muaz writes every night i am sitting here in istanbul turkey on my balcony and listening to the episodes via spotify while smoking my savinelli oscar tiger l315 ks with huber epicure full virginia plug uh the episode with your aunt was very interesting I don't mind if the doorbell is ringing. I like it. <laughs> it's nice to know that my doorbell ringing noise is being heard on a balcony in Istanbul. And we have comments from, uh, had comments from Portugal. 
and uh, just you know, nice to hear from all around the world. Um, food for thoughts. I got a couple more coming up, and then I'll be uh, searching for some other people to do. And I'll just keep doing them as long as I have time and as long as there's interesting stuff. And you can always go back and listen to them if you've missed them. And just put them on in the background and maybe you'll hear something exciting and new. Uh, remember, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Or uh, if you got travel stuff for some reason, brian.levine at mei-travel. Uh, and talking about the world, I found the list of apparently Apple Podcasts has now opened up to uh, the, the the one that got me was Nauru and uh, Tonga and Vanuatu, which are all South Pacific island nations. So hopefully somebody's listening there. If you are, I'm waving at you and I want to come visit you. Uh, Cameroon and uh, Cote d'Ivory in Africa, the Democratic Re Republic of Congo. Uh, Cameroon is where they grow some cigar leaf there. So maybe some, uh, maybe some tobacco farmer in uh, Cameroon is listening to the show. Anyway, I uh, just thought that was interesting, and Kevin sent that on to me. So there you go. Again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And uh, rave time is coming up next. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. like to give a little shout out and a uh, and a rave to uh, I guess uh, two different groups of people uh, the first people are the people that created zoom or all these other online meeting format forums whatever uh, all these things that we are using for these uh, group gatherings which have been a lot of fun and kind of the the highlight of my week and some of them have been as big as 50 or 60 people some have been as small as five or six but you know what it's just great in these times to be able to uh you know to sit there and look at people face to face and talk in a group and you know sometimes it gets a little confusing because you're not sure who's talking but uh and sometimes technology bites us a little bit but it's just been great to be able to connect with people face to face and see them smile when you uh, when you say something stupid and you know and have them and have people poke fun at you uh, I also want to thank the people in the pipe groups that have organized these. And if you uh, if you haven't been on one, you know what? Try to try to form one yourself with one of your groups, or find one of the Facebook groups that's doing, or Pipes Magazine groups that's doing these uh, online uh, get-togethers or uh, <laughs> virtual pipe chats, whatever you want to call them. Uh, those guys that have organized them, you know, thank you very much. Uh, it means a lot, and the people that have invited me to them, thank you for uh, thinking of me. And I've met some new people and got to see some new pipes and hear some new pipe stories. And it's, again, it's just great to connect with people. You know, in times like this when you don't have a lot of people contact, I bet my wife's a little happy when I'm leaving her alone or 
for a couple hours and chatting with my uh, chatting with my pipe friends online. So thanks to everybody that's involved in putting those together. Uh, thank you all for uh, you know listening to this show for 400 times now. Um, hope you hope you enjoyed the first installment of Ask the Experts. Thank you to Rick Newcomb for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy This week's show is dedicated to the memory of Patty Tarler, who, along with her husband Craig, founded Cornell and Deal. She had a smile that would light up a room.